What makes a great solar business? How can you learn from the past and prepare for the future so your solar business thrives? We set out to answer these questions and more. My name is Nigel Morris and I'm the Head of Business Development at Solar Analytics. Welcome to Great Solar Business, proudly brought to you by Solar Juice. G'day everyone, uh, and um, uh, I'm just trying to get the jingle going through my head so I can do my normal intro because of course this is being recorded and we'll go to air in the next couple of days. My name's Nigel Morris, I'm Head of Business Development at Solar Analytics, and welcome back to another episode of Great Solar Business. Uh, today, coming to you live from Energy Next, in fact, uh, I'm usually in my bunker on my own talking to someone at the other end of the line but it's great actually to be here today and i've got a special guest i'm sitting here with liam ricketts g'day liam hello nigel thank you for having me oh you're most welcome mate you're most welcome uh welcome to everyone who's come along as well uh it's weird to have people looking at me when i'm podcasting so uh forgive me for that but we'll get in the swing of it um pretty exciting news for anyone who didn't realize it's good for me Usually I get to drop in some hint about electric motorcycles at the end of an episode, but right at the beginning of the episode, if you hadn't noticed, uh, Enphase and AC Solar Warehouse just gave away a Harley-Davidson Livewire to someone very, very lucky. So congratulations. I've got a new riding buddy. Uh, mate, that's a serious prize. $50,000 bike to win at a, a solar conference, mate. So very, excellent. Very nice work by Enphase and AC Solar Warehouse. So... Um, Today we're actually going to um, dive into a topic which I think is um, very, very timely because the industry is going through or is about to go through what we think is going to be one of the biggest transformations we've seen perhaps in the last 10 or 12 years. It's going to be something epic and that's why I got Liam up here, um, apart from the fact that um, uh, he's a good guy and loves a chat. Uh, Liam, as a wholesaler with supply partners, has also got a really good insight into what's going up on upstream in the supply chain. And so I really wanted to dig into that a little bit. Um, and so without further ado, I'm, I'm gonna dive in. F firstly, we're all here with Energy Next. How's the show been? What's the vibe been from the people you've been talking to? Well, it's the first time that Energy Next conference and exhibition has actually happened. We yeah. were hoping to do it uh, back in three years ago when we that's, first that's, signed up to the conference. Years, isn't it? Yeah, wow. there's the first time this expo has been on. So we didn't really know what to expect. Yep. We've actually seen quite a strong contingent of installers coming in yep. to attend the Masterclass series and get CPD points. Yep. So we've been uh, quite impressed actually with the event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's the vibe? You've got solar retailers and installers coming through. We've got some sitting here today. What's the, what's the main thing that they're asking about? What are they talking about when they come into the booth and talking to your team and, and saying, we want to know about this? What, what are they asking about? A couple of the main things solar business owners are looking for at the moment is what's coming up next. Yep. Energy storage is definitely a big part of that. Yep. I think at the moment a lot of companies are still only selling sol solar PV systems, yep. even though the end users are starting to ask about batteries. So solar businesses need to start turning into energy businesses, in yep. my opinion. They yep. need to start talking to people about batteries and people are, are wanting to to acquire those. Yeah, gotcha. And, and I mean, we're hearing uh, a lot of challenges all around the, the industry and, and actually, 
challenges. We're going to start with some challenges, but we're going to go to some opportunities as we get further through the conversation. But uh, I did hear some wonderful stats from Sunwiz, from Warwick Johnston, um, who he gave a presentation yesterday. And he was saying uh, that um, uh, the battery attachment rate across the data that he's looking at now is an incredible 18%. It's actually the highest it's ever been. So 18% of sales on average now have got a battery attached to it, which is wonderful news if you're out there selling, of course, because you've now attached to five or a $10,000 extra battery to that. And, and even more fascinating, I think, he was talking about the fact that when, uh, when, so, when, when they're looking at the data, the conversion rate on sales is now better for a solar battery sale than it is for just a pure solar sale. Now think about that for a minute, right? We've been selling solar for a long, mm, long time, mm. always wanting to attach batteries, always wanting to get it, and conversion rates are always a, a real challenge. It's really interesting to see the data's showing that because we've it been is. hearing that from our customers for some time. Yep. At our business, we conduct a lot of sales training with companies, and we're training them on how to sell batteries. Yep. Companies that adopt that, when they're going out, they're looking at their conversion rate prior to offering batteries yep. and the conversion rate afterwards and they're getting a high conversion higher rate. Conversion. So People want them, right? Customers People see that, per that company or that salesperson as the expert yep. opposed to going out and just going, no, no, don't look at batteries, just look at PV. Even if the end user doesn't buy the batteries at that point in time, it's a higher chance they'll buy the battery off the company understood and could educate them on batteries right. even if they just went for a PV system. Exactly right. And so we know that attachment rate's going up. We know that conversions are very, very strong on people who are selling solar and battery systems. We know, and we've talked about this on previous, previous episodes of Solar Insiders and Great Solar Business, uh, that, that, that anecdotally demand is out there. And mm -hmm. I think, like many people, you know, if you put aside the economic rationale for buying a solar battery, which, you know, we all know is a bit challenging, right? It's hard to make the economics stack up on a battery. Mm. But one thing that we know, and I'm going to use my brother-in-law, uh, my father-in-law, mm -hmm. uh, a friend down the road who have all asked for solar recently and they've all insisted on a battery. They've insisted on it. Th mm. They're not looking for the best return on investment. So it's really interesting because right now what we've got is dynamics in the marketplace where people who would otherwise be sceptical are saying, mm. I don't care about the rationality of this. Mm. I need a solution to the energy crisis. I can see that solar makes sense, but I also see that I need a battery. So traditionally... I think a lot of the industry has been very hesitant mm -hmm. to get into selling batteries. And I think Definitely. I'm with you. I think we need to start shifting because customers are telling us, mm -hmm. forget the rationale, I need a battery, mate. Mate, we're in an energy crisis. Like, look what's happened recently with the network, with AMO trying to control the market. We yep. basically had the gas generators gaming the market as they That's have right. been, not That's turning right. them on. The grid went off. People yep. are looking for resilience. People are looking to fix their power price into the future. And you're right, the return on investment isn't as important no. as it was when you were just selling a straight-up PV no, it's system. sticking it to the man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was one of the people I'm talking to at the moment who wants a battery. He said, I don't give a shit as long as I can stick it to that man <laughs> who's just slugged me 58 cents a kilowatt hour for energy. All right, so l let's dive into the issue around what's going on in the market because... Mm. For the first half of this year, I think almost unequivocally, everybody I've spoken to has said, first half of the year, pretty bumpy and lumpy, right? Mate, been it's been some been real challenges, It's right? been a crazy year. Like, I've been yeah. in the solar coaster, as we call it, since uh, 2009, so a bit over 13 years now. And I have to say, this latest ride on the solar coaster has been one of the most challenging. Yep. Like, as a wholesale distributor, we purchase usually about 12 weeks out. So yep. we're contracted to manufacturing and shipping around 12 weeks out. So yep. late last calendar year, we were looking at 2022 and going, okay, 
the year's looking like it's going to be more stable because COVID looks like it's behind us. Yep. And let's let's go into 2022. There was some supply constraints as well at yes. the end of 21. Yes. So us wholesalers probably beefed up their purchasing a little bit higher than their forecast. We came into 2022. And then what happened? In January, we had Omicron. So basically a third yep. of the workforce was in play. Yep. So it wasn't many installs happening in January. Yep. And then from February pretty much until now, yep. or just recently, poor old Sydney's still been copping a fair bit even now, there's been so much rain and natural disasters. The installs Floods, just haven't been happening. Rain, no one could get on roofs, mm-hmm. still lots of people off sick with COVID. Exactly. So the net result of all of that is the market's been overstocked a bit, right? Exactly. We couldn't slow down that stock that came in through January, February, uh, You made your commitment. You've ordered the containers, right? Mate, the, sheds were, on the, the sheds were full, mate. Don't <laughs> <Yeah>. you worry. <laughs> yeah. And I know you're not alone. This is not a, that's not a slide on the ability of you guys to do your planning and forecasting. That's mm. hard at the best of times. But across the industry, we've seen this glut of stock. Mm-hmm. And then following a glut, what happens is, of course, people start dumping it out into the market. The prices come down. Exactly. So we've got very, very low prices and we've got price compression in Australia again. Now, let, let, we're going to come back to that later on, but I also want to talk a bit about batteries. We'll start with mm-hmm. batteries okay. because everyone I'm t- I've talked to half a dozen people over the last couple of days about, okay, what are you doing? Are you selling batteries? Can you get stock? Mm-hmm. Now, what's going on with stock? Where where are the factories at? Um, Mostly in China, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are you seeing with capacity in in manufacturing of batteries? What are you seeing? Is is supply uh, meeting demand in Australia at the moment? Everything I'm hearing is no. You've got to wait. The answer is definitely no. There's a couple of things that are affecting it. One is the electric vehicle market are really trying to drive away with the lithium supply. (laughs) It's not a bad way to look at it. They're driving away with the lithium supply. They've got a lot of weight in the negotiation to be able to try to secure that supply. So whatever capacity of lithium the factories have to be able to make these batteries, um, we hope to be able to get access to that. But the new challenge that's happening is you've got a war happening over in Ukraine. You've got companies like Germany getting the gas literally cut off to them. Yep. They're happy to pay a premium for these batteries. Um, they're screaming for them. Right. So, and I can, I can remember this from my BP days, right? When I, back when I worked for BP Solar, we used to look at the world and go, well, where do we get... When, when supply is tight, you go, where can I get the highest price for my product? Exactly. And it would all go to Europe if there was a high price in Europe. And I, couldn't, I just couldn't get panels into Australia. Mm, so mm. are you guys seeing that same impact now? We're seeing allocation issues. We're also seeing shipping delays, manufacturing delays due to chips. There's a whole myriad of challenges happening chips, out of there. Course, still so, Software's chips. Uh, yeah, it's big issues yep. with microchips as well. Microchips, so yep. many challenges with supply on batteries. Um, in some instances, we are still getting consistent supply with manufacturers that have, um, I suppose, you know, better supply chain for lithium. If they have their own lithium mine, if they have their own factory that's not got contracts with EV manufacturers. Right. So we're working closely with certain battery manufacturers to make sure we have consistent supply. Yep. There's definitely effects out there. When, when, when do you, when, what, are you, what are they telling you? When, are you? when are you hearing that you know, the floodgates are going to be open and everyone who's sitting out here who wants to sell a battery with every solar system, when are, they, when are the floodgates opening, mate? When are I, they... If I wish I had that crystal ball, <laughs> mate, but with the way EVs are ramping up and the technology in cars isn't going to change away from lithium anytime soon. So I think that challenge is going to remain for some right, time. Right. So I think diversifying... Through to um, the end of the year. It's got to at least be through to the end of the year. Oh, I mean, exactly. Petrol's $5 a gallon or something in the US now, right? So that's driving more EV demand over there. And mm-hmm. we've got... EV manufacturers still releasing models left, right, and centre. Yep. So, 
So, okay. So, supply is going to remain very, very tight. Mm -hmm. I also was listening to uh, someone talking on the radio yesterday and saying that there are still really uh, quite significant material and material um, uh, districts in China uh, where they're in COVID lockdown. They're mm. Literally, factories are closed, maybe not for seven days a week, but they're shuttered for three, four, five mm -hmm. days a week. Are we still hearing about those kind of closures in the factory, uh, in, the, in the battery factories as well? We're definitely still hearing about lockdowns happening in China. There's a yeah. new variant which has been in the news the last couple of weeks, so we've got yeah. to expect that that could possibly continue. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was power shutdowns late last year. Now we're back to COVID that's lockdowns right. again. That's, so. that's right. And of course, the, power, the price of power has gone up in China as well, mm. which is going to flow into our, our next subject. Okay, so batteries are going to remain tight. Um, some, some suppliers are definitely going to do better than others. I've just got to open this up. Forgive me. There we go. Um, um, uh, we're seeing waves of COVID, so that's going to continue. We're also hearing some, you know, the chief health minister was on the radio this morning, in case you didn't hear him, talking about the fact that, you know, it's not a mandate yet, but they're now re-encouraging staff in Australia to work from home mm -hmm. and masks to be encouraged, no mandate yet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're not out of the woods when it comes to lockdown, and that's going to flow through. I, I did hear from someone the other day that the port's, uh, are slow mm -hmm. because they've got so many people either locked down or off sick and they I'll can't move have a trouble around. finding staff like all of us as well, mate. We're at 3.5 unemployment rate, which is the lowest unemployment rate for 48 years. Right, so right. finding people isn't easy as well. But, let, mate, let's look at the positives, though. Demand, <laughs> demand is really surging up at the moment. Demand is going through the roof, yeah, right? We're all, great. everyone's talking about leads coming down like crazy, mm -hmm. you know. When, when, when climate sceptics like some of the people I know start asking for solar and batteries, you know things are in a good <laughs> place for our industry. So let's, let's move from batteries to solar PV. Now, mm -hmm. pretty much the same scenario, but there are even more. So we've got lockdowns, we've got high energy prices, we've got shipping and logistics delays in country and getting it across the water. But there's, there's actually some bigger issues at play here, and this is going to come up in the next edition of, uh, of uh, Solar Insiders as well, because polysilicon prices through the roof, right? Incredible. It's been going up for some time, but I've got a little bit of data stats here, which is um, you know, quite surprising. So basically, in the last um, polysilicon prices, the last seven weeks have gone up by 12.4%. And that's literally in the last seven days, they've gone up by 2.3%. Yep. So polysilicon prices are really jumping up at the moment. Um, like looking at the market as it's been in Australia at the moment, it is a bit of an artificial market at the moment. We've in terms all, of price, you in, mean? In terms of price. So yep. we've had all this stock roll in. Yep. Um, we've had the market slow down. And there's been pressure on us wholesalers to move that stock through. So um, that's starting to filter out of the market. Q1 and Q2 in Australia has been a buyer's market. It has. Um, and it's been an artificial market. People have been getting stock... There's, been a, there's been a couple of articles in the press about this as well, right? Mm. About how it's the sort of perfect storm of artificial pricing in Australia. And for those of you who don't know, you know, Australia has consistently been one of the cheapest places to buy a solar panel in the world mm -hmm. for decades, for decades. Trying to get solar panels out of a major manufacturing facility for, forever has been hard here because, well, we know we're going to sell it at 10 or 20% less here than that manufacturer could get offshore. Mm. So, you know, is it time for a correction in the market? I mean, it stands to reason we're going to have to see prices going up on PV in well, the second half. Going back to that artificial market, is it time for a correction? 
Mate, the correction should have happened a little while ago. So if anything, the yep. retail companies have been um, getting a win on the stock due to the oversupply. Yep. But that kind of two-leveled market where some wholesalers have been oversupplied, some have been okay, but having yep. to just meet market, yep. what we're going to see now is a correction across the whole market right. as that's getting absorbed. So as demand is picking up in the market, it is absorbing that oversupply. Yep. And right now we're hitting a point where we're going to come back to all brand new stock coming into the market and the price will need to meet, uh, jump up to where it really should be. It's going to have to go up. Yes. Yeah, so. and, and, and the other side, I mean, this is, a, this is a, something I've experienced for, for decades. Back in the, in the old days, you know, one of the challenges that we always had was, A, small, for small businesses, it's really hard to forecast. So for a dealer mm. to come to you and say, oh, I know exactly what my pipeline is for the next... 16 weeks, here's my forecast, I'm willing to bank on that. Of course, right mm. now, as always, that's very, very challenging. But um, the reality is that for those dealers who can do that, mm. that gives you surety, it allows them potentially to you know, at least know what the pricing structure is going to be. Mm -hmm. for, for Australian solar dealers who don't do that, solar businesses who don't do that, there's a risk of exposure, right? If you're assuming the price is going to be mm. the same for a sale that's going to not be installed in 12 weeks' time, the price could well be higher. Mate, there's a lot of people at risk at the moment, I feel, and it concerns right. me. And I've got a few tips I've got for solar businesses out there. But you know, I was speaking to some installers earlier today that haven't been able to install due to rain, yep. and they have a pipeline out in front of them that might be six, eight weeks long. Yep. Now, we're talking about prices potentially jumping up a fair bit in August and then probably a lot more again in September. So yep. these companies that have been buying stock, um, these companies that have been buying stock just in time as they make the sales, they're the ones that are really going to get affected the most. Yep. We've got certain clients which come to us that are really uh, organised and efficient and they've given us forecasts on exactly what their pipeline is yep. and we're working with them to try to um, you know, secure their profits. Yep. But the companies that are just ordering just in time they're the ones that job are going to get job burned. Yeah, and there's yeah. a second really negative impact this could have, ac have across the whole industry. Um, if all these solar businesses out there which are starting to uh, get a surge in demand and making a lot more sales, if they don't communicate with their supplier, now that doesn't, it, we've got clients that deal with us, but companies out there that are dealing with their supplier of choice, you need to make sure you're communicating with your supplier on what your pipeline looks like and what your trend of sales looks like. Because we've seen this happen so many times, we've gone from an oversupply in the market, and unfortunately, I'm very concerned that we're gonna go from one problem to the next. We're actually gonna run out of stock. Yep. And no doubt we're gonna have all those people on the social media going, you bloody suppliers have done it again. <laughs> it's you your fault, again. Yeah, it's my bloody fault. You haven't ordered <laughs> enough stock, you've run out of stock, yep. you're stuffing my business around running into Christmas, it's your yep. fault. Yep. The thing is, it's not. Yep. It's, it's the problem that we're not talking. You know, we're out there at the moment working our ass off to go out to those solar businesses and say, hey, please fill out this forecast schedule. Show us what you've already sold that's yep. contracted. Yep. Show us what your week on week trend is looking like on kilowatts sold. Yep. And then we can make sure we've got the stock you need. Yep. But if we don't get any transparency to what your sales are looking like, at the moment we're seeing leads surge. Yep. We're not seeing the surge yet in STC creation. It hasn't followed through yet. No, from... there's a lag there. that We haven't mm. seen it yet. We were talking to Warwick yeah, about that yesterday. Yeah, Warwick was saying yeah. usually it's around a three-month yep. um, lead time that he sees in historically from you know, leads really surging to STC creation surging. Yep. So at the moment, we, we can't see exactly what this looks like. Yep. We have to get that data from our customers. So one, one big tip 
to solar retail business owners is to make sure you work with your supplier and give them transparency to what your pipeline looks like. Partner up with your wholesaler, right? Partner, it's, it's, it's a partnership at the end of the day. You guys have got risk. You've got to place these long, long, long forward orders. Mm. That helps you go to the factories. That actually helps mm -hmm. the factories upstream as well. So everybody wins mm. and, and everyone at least knows what they're dealing with going forward, right? So. I, I couldn't agree more. For what it's worth, there, there's another issue at play here. And um, uh, again, we're going to cover this in Solar Insiders in detail in a, in, a, in a future episode. But one of the other dynamics that's really, really interesting that's going on upstream in the PV manufacturing world um, is there are reports now that, you know, global demand for uh, photovoltaics it runs at around 200 gigawatts. And there's about 240 gigawatts of polysilicon refining capacity in the world. So it's reasonably well matched. Mm -hmm. um, there needs to be more, of course, and the demand that we think is going to come out of Europe and probably out of the US as well, driven by gas and energy mm -hmm. prices, and it's certainly starting to impact down here as well. That is encouraging polysilicon manufacturers to expand their facilities, but that takes a long time, right? It's a long lead time to build a silicon refining facility. The, the wafering company or the wafering factory, by contrast, or even the cell factory or the module factory, they're much easier to build. And, and in fact, there's about 450 gigawatts of, mo of wafer capacity in the world. Hmm. So they're actually got, they're only running at about half capacity, mm. right? Which is really bad. So that's putting price pressure and financial pressure. And there was a report that came out the other day that suggested that as many as 15% of the PV, wafer, cell, and module manufacturers in China are at risk of bankruptcy. Yeah, wow. Very, very high risk because they've got oversupply right now. Mm -hmm. And there isn't the polysilicon supply to feed it back in. And of course, polysilicon's gone up at the same time. So there's, mm -hmm. there's an enormous amount of dynamics going on. Mm -hmm. And um, China, bless them, have got the world's solar industry exactly where you would want to have them if you wanted to own the industry. They mm. have the majority of supply, they have fantastic technology, they have world-class manufacturing facilities, they've got scale up the wazoo. So, you know, they are in a really incredibly powerful position. And like we said at the beginning, if it looks like the price is higher in, China, in, in, in Europe, mm. where are they shipping it? They're it's shipping a, it to Europe. It's a better Europe. place to ship it for profits right, for them. Right, so there's an awful lot going on uh, around the world. Um, Just staying on panels for a minute though, yeah. like, you know, we're talking about getting the product made and the costs associated with that, but the other drivers that are driving price up is once that product's made and they get that container of stock to the dock, yep. shipping costs have just gone through the roof. Right. We used to get a 40-foot container into Australia for one couple of, a couple of thousand dollars. Now we're looking at $10,000, $12,000 plus, and that could potentially still be going up further right. as well. So Freight costs still very high. And of course, fuel costs once it's landed to mm -hmm. get it on the truck and all that. But having, I'm going to challenge you on that because I am hearing that freight costs have peaked, right? Okay. I'm hearing from a couple of people that they've started to come off the boil now, so it's easing. But I think where we're starting to win on international shipping costs, we're losing on ground freight costs now, mm. right? Because mm. of fuel, right? Yeah, the inland freight costs are definitely going up. Yeah. But even if we've been seeing, say, four or five cents per watt as like an additional input cost on, on sea freight yep. that's been happening in recent times, because of this artificial market, a lot of the retail companies haven't even seen it in their pricing. Right. So even if it softens from, say, four cents back to three cents oh, on shipping... It's been hidden for the first yeah, half. People haven't yeah. even felt it. Right. So even three right. cents is going to seem 
like a lot. And I'm talking three to four cents just on shipping costs. Yep. We're yep. not even all the other factors we spoke about. We haven't even got to FX yet. Of course. So, yeah. what's go- so, so FX, we're speaking about silicon. Yeah, we're, we're just talking so about we've got, shipping's three we've got odd raw cents. materials in polysilicon mm-hmm. that are going wrong. We've got wafers, cells, and manufacturers who are you know teetering because they're over capacity. Mm-hmm. We've got freight costs and fuel costs, international and local. Tell what's going on with FX. Mate, Is that FX, helping us? Not at all. So all all the solar module stock we're buying is in US dollars and over the past three months the US dollar against the Aussie dollar has gone down by about 15% so we were at about 74 cents against the Aussie dollar three months ago now we're at we're at 68 yesterday we're 69 today it's bloody jumping all over the place Um, and and it's a gamble mate it's a it's a mugs game um, to play the currency market if you ask me Um, but unfortunately we have to play it and you're, you're taking a risk and and really, um, you know, you're gambling if you hedge one way or the other. Yeah. So, you know, hedging strategies are important. We're definitely uh, involved in hedging strategies. But that FX crash um, is going to affect the price in a big way as yeah. well. So there's three big factors. You know, you've got those input costs of silicon and manufacturing costs. You've got um, the shipping costs and you've yep. got the foreign exchange costs. And none of those have been felt by the market at all because not, not of the so oversupply. Far. So this sounds like a really bad news story, but it's not. I want to. I there's switch. a lot of good news stuff as I, well. There, mate, there so. is. I want to switch this around because there really is some fantastic news going on in the market as well. So we've started with the sort of the downbeat stuff, and I just want to re- you know, really encourage everyone to work really closely with their wholesalers in partnership, so you minimise the damage, you minimise exactly. the surprises over the next half. But let's talk about some good news. So the first one, obvious one, uh, leads and interest levels through the roof, right? We're seeing that across the board, no matter where you are in Australia, incredible, credible interest. So there's a great opportunity. Uh, that's awesome, mate. Since we've had a new government yeah. come into power that actually like our industry, yep. and then we've also um, had power prices go through the roof, right. those two things are just driving demand in a big right. way. Huge, huge mm. change, right? The, the, you know, the NEM being turned off effectively by, mm-hmm. by EMO yeah. because it was broken. They said, right, close the market never happened in the entire history of the NEM. Mm. Uh, we've, and, and, and I'll take your point on uh, you know, the new government. Chris Bowen, uh, new energy minister, mm-hmm. uh, he is the first Australian energy minister to ever come on to an interview with Energy Insiders with Giles Parkinson. The yeah, previous awesome. ministership would, would not even come on the show. And I listened to an interview that Giles did with, uh, with Chris Bowen this morning. And he highlighted something that blew my mind. Now, and we all know that the, the government, whether you like them or don't, they have, a t- they have a higher, more ambitious target on climate change, which is ultimately, apart from making a buck, what we're all trying to do is we're trying to help uh, to reduce emissions using good renewable technologies. Chris Bowen, when he was interviewed with Giles the other day, said, you know what, if you look at our target, here's two facts for you. It's only 90 months away. Now, 90 months is actually not very far, right? In the business world, if you start thinking about what's it gonna take to transition to 43% renewables, it's only 90 months. And if you think about what's gotta be done between now and then, it's like Mm. 500% growth, right? The industry is really going to struggle Mm. to keep up with this demand. So let's, let's go forward. Let's imagine ourselves, we've got through the supply and demand crunch, Prices have normalised a bit. Uh, COVID's 
you know, eased a little bit again. We've all been infected a couple more times. I'm probably infecting you right now, by the way. So, you could be infecting me, who true, knows? True. Um, but, you know, we'll all get through this, right? Yeah. And things will, the pricing and supply and demand will hopefully normalize. We'll see China catch up with the supply and mm -hmm. demand issues over there. What do, we, what do we have to prepare for here, mate? You know, what, do, what are you thinking about in your business and what do you think solar businesses need to be thinking about doing mm -hmm. to reach this target that the new government has set down and are out spruiking right now? What are we going to have to do? How are we going to get there? Mate, that, that's a huge target they've set and you're right, we need to be doing a lot more volume in this country to get anywhere near it. That's right. Um, yeah, the skills shortage and the number of labour force is a big concern. Yep. Right now, as I mentioned earlier, 3.5% unemployment rate. Yep. You know, it's the lowest it's been in 48 years. So to actually get the, the actual people out there to be able to install all of this is one thing. Um, but, you know, Getting more people in the industry, um, you know, is going to be one driver. But how many gigawatt that uh, new target equals to? I'd probably like to break it down back into those ninety months. Um, or what was it? Ninety, 90 months. Ninety yep. months. It's yeah. really not that long. Yeah. You know, I think it'd be good to try to break down how much in the small to medium so uh, end of the PV industry. Yep. Versus the large scale. Yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. how much do we need to contribute? Yep. To those gigawatts to achieve. Um, what needs to be achieved to hit that target because the utility scale stuff's going to do a big part of that. They can do a big part. But we, were, we, we do a bigger part in our sector. We were chatting so. about this before. You know, rooftop solar is the largest mm. of, of all the capacity that's out there already in terms of PV. It's the largest already. Yeah. And guess what? It's faster. It's easier. And, you know, my friends, my dad, my father-in-law, everyone else, they'll pay for it, mm. right? Mm. So, you know, you don't have to get investors on board and all that. It's a lot simpler to do. So I think a lot of the heavy lifting is still going to be done by the small-scale sector, mm. for sure. Yeah, I think there's going to be a number of drivers that will drive um, the increase in, in the installations per annum. Like people getting electric vehicles in every second garage, which will happen over the next couple of years, yep. that'll drive a lot bigger PV systems on residential rooftops. So we've already seen the average system size jump up to seven, eight odd kilowatts, yep. uh, where it used to be, you know, five, six kilowatts not long ago. So yep. no doubt that average will keep jumping up. So the same amount of units been installed will increase the amount of volume going in per annum as it is. Yep. Um, but we definitely need to see just a big uptick to be able to achieve those we do. ambitious targets by the government. We're, we're rapidly running out of time, so we're going to have to wrap it up. Um, um, I wanted to, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Go for it. So we, we've seen growth in the battery uh, attachment rates up around 18, call it 20% right now. That was the latest stats that Warwick gave us. Let's go forward 12 months. What do you reckon the battery attachment rate's going to be? I reckon it'll continue to increase significantly. Uh, at the moment, um, with the, put a the, number on it. Come on, in a year. In a year, what's the attachment rate going to be? I'd predict that it'll it'll at least be double. What, double. what it so is 40%. now. forty percent. And part of the reason I say that yep. is the electricity retailers that are out there are having to set these really high ambitious targets on virtual power plants. Yep. Now there's a lot of scepticism around virtual power plants at the moment. Yep. Unfortunately, there's a lot of VPP deals getting pushed to people that aren't really good for those end users, yep. but they're going to have to start making those offers a lot more generous. Otherwise, they're not going to hit their targets. Yep. And look at Origin, for example. They're shutting down Australia's largest coal power plant yep. in a couple of years' time. Yep. They've set a target. They need two gigawatts of VPPs out there. Otherwise, they're basically screwed. Right. Their business model's screwed. Right. So they need to start offering really generous virtual power plant offers to get control of these battery assets yep. out there to be able to secure their hedge. They're basically placing a hedge yep. for their future position. Yep. Um, 
hopefully it's uh, not as bad of a hedge as the FX hedges, but <laughs> you know, they're having to hedge their position. They're going to offer more and more generous incentives to get control of these battery assets. Yep. Um, there's going to be opportunities for uh, EVs as well to participate in these spaces. You know, the batteries on wheels are six to eight times larger than what's sitting standalone in a garage. There's going to be exciting opportunities for vehicle-to-grid. I saw a seminar here that just filled up yesterday. Yeah. As soon as there was a vehicle-to-grid presentation here yesterday, bang, Everyone's it was full. Because it. it's an exciting yep. space. So cool. yep. back to batteries, VPPs, I think it's going to be a big driver. It's going to be a driver. Behind yeah. the meter will be as well, just at the same time. Yep. People looking for resilience. People looking to fix their position on power yep. into the future. Yep. So it's a mixture of behind the meter and virtual power plants. Um, but I think batteries are going to could double. surge you know, above double. But if you're going to ask me to predict, I'd say in the next 12 months, double right. what we're seeing now. I'll check back in with you a year. We'll get you back on. We'll see where you, how close you were, mate. <laughs> 40% sounds very real to me. And in fact, if we look back at the numbers and the early forecast that we did, we thought we'd have a stronger uptake than batteries than, we, than we've currently got. So mm. I think it's very, very plausible. Mate, we're, we're sadly out of time, but um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Nigel. You're Cheers, welcome, mate. mate. Um, good, yeah, round of applause. Yeah. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for coming by today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, please give us a, a thumbs up or a like on social media. Um, and I'll look forward to speaking to you in a couple of weeks. Great Solar Business was brought to you by Solar Juice, Australia's leading solar distributor. SolarJuice aligns themselves with brands that share their values of service, support, quality and value for money. Check out solarjuice.com.au and let SolarJuice help you become a great solar business. Great Solar Business was also brought to you by Solar Analytics. You can now offer Solar Analytics from just $40 per year by connecting it directly to Fronius and SunGrow inverters. No additional hardware required, just extra value. Solar Analytics, it's different. Learn more at solaranalytics.com.au.